Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week and back talking about the transfer window. It is chaos out there at the moment, not necessarily in the way you might expect, not in that there are deals going on left, right and centre, but actually that everything seems to be very, very quiet. The chaos is coming behind the scenes as clubs work out what they're trying to do with this window. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me today is our co-host, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, it has been chaos outside the windows this week because there's been a storm, wasn't there? Uh, which you experienced when you flew back uh, from Ireland at the weekend. So mm. well done for surviving, mate. Appreciate that. Uh, the, the pod lives on um, because anything happens <laughs> to you. This podcast yeah. never goes out ever again and nobody finds out why. <laughs> uh, literally cannot be uploaded. So thanks for that. Um, apart from that, yeah, I mean, this is supposed to be the busiest, well, one of the busiest times of my year, obviously. So I'm not going to complain if it's a little bit quiet because when it's like, you know, there was that day in the summer when about eight transfer deals happened in two hours or whatever. And it was it was just going on. Literally, your phone was just like ping, 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 ping. Um, I don't miss that. I don't really relish those moments very much, to be honest with you, because it's a nightmare. Um so a quiet transfer window with just a, a couple of just like nice rises along the way, nice a few nice narratives to get us through, and I'm home. But well, we'll see. We'll talk but about it's deadline today. week coming, and that's what we're going to be talking about today because it's not going to be smooth sailing. It is not indeed. It is not indeed. And 
I'm delighted to say a welcome back. A very, very special guest. It's the rank god, or should I say the rank dad. Congratulations <laughs> to Mr. Sam Ty. Rank, rank dad. Rank daddy. Rank father. There he is. I wasn't sure where I was going with that. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Yes, for those of you who don't know, and I haven't publicized it very much because not been a single photo. I don't live as loudly as these two. Um, my son was born a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Arlen Ty. So welcome to the world, Arlen. Um, newest member of the rank squad. It's great yes. to have another on board. Yeah, he's, i got to say, early report card, he's not very good at watching football. His concentration span is pretty poor. Mm. He <laughs> like falls Jack. asleep halfway through games. And honestly, half the time he's looking in the wrong direction. Oh, man. So we've got a lot to work on there. But he is 13 days old. I'll give him a bit of a break, you know. Project yeah, Project yeah. Ben Foster, Project Matt Target. Here we Project go. Matt Target, yeah. Project Matt Target. Um, I've correctly identified that the best route into professional football is, of course, to force your child to be a left back um, because mm. of the low percentage of left footers uh, compared to right footers and the fact that no one wants to play left back. Or oh, actually, maybe that's less, that's less true than it was. Um, players like Ben Chilwell and Marcelo have made it a bit more sexy, haven't they? But still... Everyone wants to be a striker, don't they? Or attacking midfielder. So, yeah, I'm going to produce England's next great left back, um, whether he likes it or not. He's going to be playing against uh, as the boys playing for the USMNT at right back. They're going to come up against each other in a World <laughs> Cup someday. Yeah. It's going to be a real proud day for you the You notice we've only got it? boys so far, lads. That's that's three children uh, between yep. the three of us, and they're all boys. So mate, there's, mate, there's four. There's four on my side for my sisters, and they're all boys. Oh, and. And Rachel's sister Ruby has had a boy. It's just boys everywhere. I my parents, my parents are just like, be fair. where are the granddaughters? What is going on? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, they must be. They must be fuming. Yeah, be absolutely fuming. But hey, I don't think my dad's fuming, but my mum is. <laughs> fair yeah. enough. Right, we'll get we're back taking, to uh, we'll get back to parenting advice. It's going to be the the big focus of of part three, Sam. We couldn't have brought you back on without without giving you some guru wisdom appropriate to the situation. Exactly. But before we get into that. Let's start with, well, Dean, you're actually taking things away from things we love because you've got some chaos to throw about. Well, the thing we love, obviously, is that Sam's on the show. Like, he's a dad and we love all these Woo. things. So that, this is great. Um, but the things we love is actually replaced. This is a transfer uh, hour. Um, we're trying to get in as much, as cram in as much info and gossip as we can uh, to help you on your journey or your walk or whatever you're trying to do right now. If you're trying to get to sleep, we're trying to help you with that as well. Um, and so I'm going to... It's a couple just in this little section, I thought, right, there's a couple of rumors I've seen in the last couple of days that are pretty mad for different reasons. I just want to get your your reaction to these stories because the first one in particular I saw this morning and I was just like, what? Here it is. Man United turned down Inter Milan's offer to swap Aaron Wambasaka for Denzel Dumfries. What? <laughs> what? On what? like every front. On every what? single level. What? <laughs> <laughs> I literally did not know what to do with this this morning. It came up on Sky Sports News. They were just running through the headlines. They were like, right, Man United have turned down. Into I was like, hang on, what? I literally had to rewind it to listen. Make sure. I was like, <laughs> why? Both yeah. From both angles, why is this happening? Can you think of two more polar opposite right-backs <laughs> in the world of football? No, like unless unless we're literally looking at a situation here where Inter want to play Wan-Bissaka as a right centre-back, 
then I have no idea why they would trade their right wing back to be able to do that. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no sense for them to offer it. It kind of makes no sense for United to turn it down. That was my first, that was where my mind went immediately. was like, imagine this actually was proposed to them and they said no. <laughs> of course you wouldn't say no. Incredible. Maybe Aaron Wambasaka said no. I don't know. He doesn't seem to want to leave anytime soon, does he? Very <laughs> strange. The <laughs> whole thing. Dumb. Incredibly I blame strange. Dumfries for saying no either, to be fair. Maybe it's more on the player side. Yeah, these lads I... were just like absolutely having none of that one. That is not what we're going to be doing. Thank you very much for the offer, but we're uh, we're all right. Yeah, very strange. Look, maybe Ten Hag just loves a Wambasaka and really can't imagine life without him. Um but yeah, he's even being linked with uh, Al Nasser today as well, Wan-Bissaka. So maybe he's going to Saudi after all this. Um, right, the second one is actually kind of fits in with what we've been talking about previously on another episode um, when I talked about Ben Godfrey. Remember that? Mm. Um, so he's cropped up in the news. This one is uh, funny. Ben Godfrey has transfer uh, opportunities with AC Milan, Sheffield United and Leeds. AC Milan, Sheffield United, and Leeds. What? (laughs) Three very different uh, scenarios. Yeah, Yeah. prospects. (laughs) Three different leagues. (laughs) Like, I imagine him sitting there thinking, right, it is a tough choice between uh, Sheffield United and AC Milan. (laughs) I'm just going to give Loftus Cheek a quick call and just make sure that this is as good as it sounds. Yeah. Um, what would you, how would you rank that one, Sam? Put was, that in order. Where was Ben Godfrey born? He was born in York. Right, so he's a Yorkshire boy. So Sheffield suddenly becomes a little bit more... Uh, you can you can accept that a little bit more. Well, Leeds must not be far from there either. No, I mean, Leeds also too. But, um, <laughs> but um, I mean, Milan. Milan have obviously been desperate for centre-backs, right, for the last month or so. They've had injuries to all of them. They've ended up having to to recall Matteo Gabbia. So maybe this is one of those things where they're still, they're still worried. They're still concerned. I, I'm tempted to say it would probably be a loan, like a covering loan or something like that, if possible. Um, but Godfrey, like it's, it's easy to forget, isn't it? And you guys have talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's easy to forget that Ben Godfrey is actually really good. Like really good. Stay, stay, stay clear of injuries. And I wouldn't surprise me if the Milan scouting team have identified that and thought, well, we do have a bit of a crisis. Let's just um, let's just cover it off for the rest of the season. Godfrey would absolutely take playing some games at Milan versus no games at Everton, right? Yeah, so true. It makes sense. Yeah. So Daniel Fark knows Ben Godfrey from Norwich, of course. Of course. So that's where that comes from. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chris Wilder's just desperate for a good defender, isn't he? Um, that's Sheffield United. Um, how do you think he cope uh, in Serie A, Ben Godfrey? Great. Yeah. He's yeah. grand, but also he's, we're, we're he's seeing really this, fast. aren't they? We're, we're seeing Milan look at and the targets we've seen them linked to. Ben Godfrey, the other one is obviously toasting at, at Fulham. You're like, okay, they've obviously had a couple of hits in terms of bringing players over from the Premier League who were just on the fringes and gone, yeah, let's just double down on this route as hard as we can. Uh, which, which, you know what? Fair enough. There's worse routes. Fair enough, as far as I'm concerned. There does seem to be a theme going on here. 
Yeah, I was actually going to mention the Tosin one in this show, but he hasn't quite made the cut. But um, yeah, coming up, um, we are going to run through quite a few transfer rumours. I'm going to be kicking us off when we get going uh, with some big names and then we'll be turning it into some realistic deals that are almost certain to come through before the deadline. There we go. Don't go anywhere. New year, new rank squad. Kick off 2024 with Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery service. It takes the stress out of your meal planning and assists your goals for the new year. The chef-crafted meals are so good, even pro footballers would benefit from them. But here's what I like. Factor also now offers loads of snack options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks. Exactly the sort of stuff I'm trying to improve in my own hectic life. So, if you want some guru wisdom, then here's my advice. Head to factormeals.com slash ranks50 and use code ranks50 to get 50% off. That's code ranks50 at factormeals.com slash ranks50 to get 50% off. Welcome back to Ranks FC. Jack Collins here with Mr. Dean Jones and Mr. Sam Ty. The gang's back together and everyone's having a nice time. DJ, you're going to be running through two different rankings in this main segment, which is pretty cool. A little bit of a shift from the norm. But we've got two separate topics. One mm. is big names who could still make a move. And the other is realistic deals that are going to go through or could go through at the end of this window. Which one are you starting with? Yeah, we've got lots of talking points here. I'm going to start with the big names because that's what we all want. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is Karim Benzema. Um, wow, here we are, last week of a transfer window and talking about the idea of a move for Karim Benzema. Um, it's a lovely notion and I know that I've seen a lot of love for him for coming from Arsenal fans recently, getting a little bit excited about the potential prospect of that happening. Uh, it also linked with Chelsea, also linked with Leon. Uh, doesn't seem too happy with his working circumstances at Al Itihad at the moment and would quite like a transfer away from the club. So, um, yep, the old Real Madrid striker pushing for a move, really. Um, so it's an interesting scenario. Now, I'll start by addressing Arsenal, shall I? Do you remember when I said uh, Arsenal were never going to sign Nicolas Pepe for £72 million. Now, uh, the backlash from that one still scars to this day. Yeah, but I remember um, why that happened. Remember I was there with you when you typed those words. Were you? Yeah. We were in Chicago and yeah, you were just... Yeah, I was going to say, we Like, you were just a bit busy. Oh, yeah. And you had like one... You had one thing left to fill out in your column and you needed a never going to happen. You turned around to me and you said... Arsenal don't have seventy-two million pounds to spend, do they? Never going to happen. And I said, no, they, no, they, yeah, you're right. And you put it in, and then he signed. They don't, and <laughs> and they do. I remember now. You say that I do actually have a flashback now of exactly what you're, what the situation you're talking about. And I remember that I'd spoken to another Arsenal reporter, and he'd been telling me about because I think Pepe was valued at like I don't know thirty odd million or something. Um, and he'd be like, I remember him saying that there was a stretch for them to pay that for him. So I was like, well, there's no way I can pay 72 million. Anyway, so I said, never happened. Since that day, I've never repeated those words with any Arsenal transfer. I have refused to write off anything. Here I am. <laughs> Hello, Karen Benzema. I'm going to do it again. Not happening. <laughs> Not a- <laughs> You're a braver man than me. 
I'm just pleased you always do it in, in our presence. That's yeah, like... well, there you go. And <laughs> if you're an Arsenal fan right now, don't be annoyed with me. Be happy yeah. that I'm doing this. He's basically Pepe, just jinxed it. It's on. Jinxed it. You're going to get Ben's. Um, <laughs> look, I did. I have. I spoke to someone at Arsenal uh, the other day just to check this one, and it's like, <laughs> what are his wages? Uh, and I was like, well, if this bloke's asking me what Benzema's wages are, then this can't have gone very far down the, lo- down the road, <laughs> can it? Um, and he's like, yeah, can't see it uh, unless they're going to take a massive hit. So Arsenal clearly weren't actually looking into this transfer. And Benzema is only willing to lower his wages. By the way, he's on like £86 million a year at the moment. He's only going to lower his wages for one club. And that club isn't even Chelsea, who are actually interested more interested than Arsenal and would actually look to do a deal like this if they could the team that he's willing to go and play on the cheap for would be Leon yeah that's where we're at right now um obviously there's a bit of of sentiment there and emotional attachment that could leave that one to be more open um so yeah let's see what happens I mean as we're recording this on Tuesday his situation at Al Ittihad is described as tense. He's been training away from the rest of the group. Uh, talks are ongoing to see if they can fix this problem. I mean, losing Benzema would be a massive hit for the ego of the Saudi Pro League lads. Like, they, this is a marquee one. This is up there with Ronaldo and Neymar when they came in, and this is supposed to stand for something. So they'll try to salvage this situation any way they can, even if it means somehow getting him into one of the other Saudi teams just to keep him happy for a little bit longer. But yeah, the Leon talks are opening. I'm still not totally convinced how Leon are even going to afford this if Benzema like takes a it's going to take a seriously drastic drop from 86 million pounds for Benzema to agree terms at, at Leon again. But maybe his love is is that deep that he goes for it. Yeah, I mean, well, it was obviously the place where where he came through. And that last spell and that, that spell at Lyon was, was a really successful one. When Karen Benzema signed for Real Madrid, it's easy to forget that he was already considered one of the best strikers in the world. He had had, he, you know, had an incredible couple of years at Lyon. They'd won four, I can think, Ligue 1 titles in a row. They'd won the Coupe de France. They'd won two Trophée de Champions. And actually, you're kind of looking at his, his numbers around there. I think he'd got sort of, there. it was over one in three, between one in three and one in two in, in, in terms of what he was putting together in goal-scoring numbers. It was those last two seasons where he really exploded, you know, the, where he finally was like, okay, I'm the talisman of this team now. I think he got 50 goals across those two seasons without making or just shy of, of 100 appearances. So that's when it suddenly was like, wow, there's something on our hands here. There's a player here who's going to go and make it. And I think that there's a sense there that when he left Leon, it's all kind of came crashing down quite quick for both Leon, for Leon, whilst Benzen went on from, you know, strength to strength might be a tad of a stretch, but had an incredible career at Real Madrid and was able to do so many different things, facilitate, score goals, be the main man, be the man that stepped up in the big moments. And the other side of it, Leon, since he's left, have basically crashed and burned. And actually, when you get to that kind of sense, there is a point there where you're looking at him and going, go on, go and rebuild it. Because it feels like Leon are at the nadir of where it's been. You know, they were in the relegation places for a long part of this season. They're just outside those now, but it's been such a poor season in, in, in kind of Leon terms that that savior complex of coming back and making the difference 
I've, I've, I love it. Obviously, I love it, but I love it. It's heartwarming stuff, but I'd just be a little bit wary nowadays putting a lot of money on the table for Benzema just because obviously he's now mid-30s, fine. I know that Leon will be looking at this as a bit of a patch, but it's, it's easy to forget that Benzema is now 36. The very last part of his Real Madrid career was very, very injury-plagued, wasn't it? He missed yeah. an awful lot of time in those last six to eight months or so. And I can only use transfer markets injury history tracker for what has happened at um, had he's, he's only missed a handful of games, three days with a back problem, but the stuff at Real Madrid, which was obviously at a much higher and much more intense level. There's, there's tons of little entries there where he's had to miss a game here and there. So I, I don't know what condition the guy's in anymore, but you know, it actually doesn't take too much to improve Leon nowadays. I know they're not at the bottom any longer, but they're still not great. Um, and that's why Arsenal... You know, if you're sat there, if you're Arsenal, I know they, you know, a portion of the fan base and a lot of people will tell you they need a goal scorer, which, you know, it's hard to disagree with. He's 36. He's pretty injury prone. He's on 86 million pounds a year and he won't lower his wage. Like, you, <laughs> we've got to be smart, right? Yeah. We've got to be smart. And if Leon can pull on the heartstrings of his and get this little sort of sneaky deal through, then good for them. But everybody else needs to remember the back half of last year, unfortunately, for what Benzema was. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think Leon make is, is the only real one that makes huge amounts of sense if mm. they're the only real one that's going to actually be able to convince him to, to lower that wage. So, yeah. yeah, and I think obviously like this could uh, go out of date in the next couple of days, depending on how these talks go. But I think the other thing to, to note is that obviously if this has become a problem for Benzema so early in his time at Saudi, then we have to consider that this isn't where he's ending his career anyway. Like there is definitely scope for another transfer to open up for Benzema, even if it ends up being in the summer rather than this window. So it, it's something that is going to continue to be a storyline. Um, similarly is the next person I'm going to talk about, Kieran Trippier. Um, it's come out the blue, really. I mean, it's a great storyline. I love it. Uh, Bayern Munich made an initial loan approach for Trippier last week as it stands at the moment he's expected to stay as far as most reporters around the Newcastle area are concerned that's clearly what they're being briefed and told but I think it is important to note that Trippier's head was turned there's no doubt about it um, as we're recording this Bayern are weighing up the potential of going back in with another offer for Trippier uh, and that would be a permanent offer rather than alone as I understand it now um, again even if this goes out of date like this is new an ongoing story now for Trippier he this will be his last season at Newcastle and so where does he end up next even if it's not Bayern Munich he'll end up moving on um, and I just feel like at the moment Newcastle feels like an open shop clubs are looking at them wondering who they can go and get in the final week of the transfer market. So this isn't even just about Kieran Trippier anymore. Uh, Almiron, Callum Wilson, Bruno, Isak, loads of players are suddenly being linked with a transfer and loads of the fringe players will also end up going. I think this could all mean that Newcastle actually end up signing someone too. If they actually get rid of some players here, get some money off the wage bill, Newcastle will also sign a player. Um... So look, best case here if you're a Newcastle fan that likes Trippier is he stays till the summer. Worst case, Bayern are about to bid for him 
And let's be clear, they would not have approached Kieran Trippier, Newcastle, over this transfer if they did not have an inkling that he was going to be interested. Bayern don't do that. Same thing as Kane, right? They wouldn't Same do thing it as Kane. if he hadn't given his assent. Exactly. So, like, even Palinia with Fulham, like when, when they came for him, like they obviously knew he wanted to go. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come in and, and tried to aggravate and, and get him out of there. Um, Nordi Mukiele, the deal from PSG is, is ongoing. There are talks about Bayern signing him. It has dragged out a little bit now. So basically, if Mukiele does fall away, then Trippier is the one they're ready to pounce on. And those conversations, as we record this, are live. So this is really, really intriguing because Newcastle season hasn't been a good one. Um, they've fallen away in the Premier League table. They're out of Europe. The season basically hinges on an FA Cup run, really, and whether they can beat Fulham at the weekend to to stay in the competition. And they really have to think about levelling up this squad. And that's where I think this actually becomes a factor of selling Kieran Trippier isn't actually that bad an idea in this moment. I know that he has a level of experience and leadership that you you really are going to miss. But if you want money for him and you want to reinvest it in this squad and help out your FFP situation, you've got to start moving these players on. He's got 18 months left on his contract. You won't get much money for him much further down the line. If Bayern are coming, you've got to at least consider it, I think. I don't like that. Uh, doesn't he feel too important? Aren't, aren't, aren't certain players just too intrinsic? And, and, and Trip, Trips and Bruno are like the heartbeats of this team for me. So much of the ball goes through them. So much of the play goes through them. They feel like really important figures. And if I was, if you were to tell me, Dean, like, oh, you're, you know, you're managing Newcastle squad and you've got to sell some players, but pick three untouchables. I think Trippier and Bruno Guimaraes would be one and two or two mm. and one because Bruno's top. I, I'm, not, I'm, not con- I'm not convinced that's a good idea. I, I appreciate the financial constraints. But with Joel Linton, you know, in, injured as well, like, can they actually survive that level of upheaval? Yeah, well, this is another one. I mean, Joel Linton's future, very uncertain. Um, he's looking for a new contract. And I think, as I understand it, the terms that he's asking for, he's not going to be getting. And the thing I'd say on the, on the trip here, like, I do understand, like, how important he is to the team. But what are they playing for right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with DJ. I, I agree with you, Sam, on paper. I think that like when you're looking at who was the person that turned the mentality of this team around, who is the kind of first bastion of what they based this new era of Newcastle on, you look at Trippier and, you know, there's talk and there's, there's really interesting pieces written out there about how when he came in, he was the one that basically raised the standards in the entire club to a point where they were able to move on. But equally, as Dean says, if, if they are not playing for anything this season, and yes, obviously there's league positions and, and European places to battle for, but it's not been a great season. Is it worth the reset, just allowing them to to build again in the summer? Because yeah, at the moment, it feels like a pretty uncomfortable space that Newcastle are occupying, where they're going to be caught between the rock and the hard place in trying to upgrade the squad whilst not losing the entire personality behind it. And that's a, a position they're already sorted in because they've got Livermento ready and waiting. No, I disagree because they've just, they've just sent Javi Manquillo to sell to Vigo. I did they see that. They <laughs> <laughs> can't afford it. But look, if we're just, if we're just right shifting around the players from the 2016-17 Tottenham Hotspur team, then I don't know, maybe Kevin Vimmer can come in or Juan Foy. You know, they, they'll all be at Bayern soon. It seems so, like that's what they're rebuilding. 
I do, I do take your point there, and maybe it's just, maybe that's one of those like ruthless, cold football decisions that, that oh, needs to be made. Maybe, but it's that's a tough one to explain to fans sometimes because it it, it reeks of a white flag, mm. and that does not go down particularly well. Particularly because yeah. Trippier is such a big part of this and such a big personality. Yeah, I think for it to happen, it's probably going to take a big push on Trippier's side of things to be like, yeah. I want to go and play with Harry Kane and try and win a Bundesliga with him. Um, so we'll, I mean, you're not even going to win the Bundesliga Doesn't at this rate. Like right <laughs> I want to go and come second in the Bundesliga with Harry Kane. Um, right, the last player uh, could get interesting. It's like, It's been so quiet around this guy. Aaron Ramsdale. Think of all the stories that were written in October, November, not quite so much in December, but they were lingering about how much Aaron Ramsdale needed a move. Nothing. A wall of silence is around Aaron Ramsdale right now. And to be fair, he's not for sale. And there are no offers for him. The reason I'm really flagging this one up is because in the next week, any goalkeeper gets injured at any high-profile club in Europe, this is the door you're coming knocking on. And this is why I would love to see Arsenal and Aaron Ramsdale given a decision to make from a, a, you know, a big club. I mean, obviously, the, I think the last link there was, was it Wolves? It's the, the last link, and I was like... It was a bit of Newcastle in a little late Newcastle. December, wasn't there? Yeah, like like, a Pope injury. Ramsdale at Wolves, like, I think he could do probably do better, a bit better than that. No disrespect to Wolves, obviously doing having a decent season now, but that's not really what I imagined. Anyway, Ramsdale so far has been level-headed, calm about his situation, no unrest so far, but be interesting to test his resolve and see how he reacts to that. It would take something pretty mega to get him out of there, big money, because... Arsenal don't want to sell him. And I would imagine, to be honest, anyway, you would be looking for a loan here. That would suit Ramsdale. I mean, Arsenal are going to take some convincing. That, why would Arsenal loan him out? That's going Doesn't to be the problem. Arsenal Doesn't suit them at all, out. does it? No. But it would suit Ramsdale, who needs to get to the Euros. He's not playing any football. He clearly is a backup and no more to David Ray. He's literally just sat there looking freezing cold at the moment on a bench <laughs> every week. That is not fun. And he's got to be a bit selfish. If a, if, if a proposal comes along, I want to see a selfish Aaron Ramsdale stand up and fight for his right to play football. Um, I'll to wrap in before I get your two views on it properly. Um, other players that I would be testing the water on, uh, Nketiah, Smith Rowe, those two. Like I know that West Ham have just failed with a loan bid for... Um, Smith Rowe, but I don't, I don't think Smith Rowe was that. Um, just didn't really fancy that particular fit anywhere. I don't think it's. I don't think he's ungettable. I think it would be a hard transfer to pull off. But Aston Villa are linked quite a bit, and that always does intrigue me because, like, if someone like Villa came for Smith Rowe, I think that's hard to turn down. Even if he does feel like he wants to remain part of this project as they're trying to win the league, um, Villa fans don't like Smith Rowe. He's quite oh, comfy. He's quite comfy on the bench at the Emirates. So you may as well not bother moving to Villa Park to sit on the bench there. <laughs> uh, they don't like him because it's one of those very petty fan things. Um, a couple of years ago, Smith Rowe used Aston Villa interest to leverage a new contract at Arsenal. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. And, and it's just one I of those weird things that. that fans like remember, and they're just like, nah. 
don't wow. like him. It's like, no, it's part of the game. It's all part of the play. That's uh, funny. But yeah, he got he got relinked last week and everyone went, no. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw the link. Yeah. Um, oh, fair enough. I'll, I'll do an article on that then. Why it can't happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Ramsdale, let's see. As I say, like there isn't anything in this yet, but one injury at the weekend, and lads. can change. Anywhere across those top four or five leagues and suddenly you might, might have a situation around be interesting. I saw a, a very funny tweet. It's not necessarily quite related to this, but it was basically um, a showing Arsenal's fourth or fifth goal from the weekend. I can't remember which it was exactly. Um, and well, it they was were both the same. So yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why. <laughs> um, and it was basically the. It was it, obviously the ball gets caught by Raya and he 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 fires it out and off he go. And the tweet was just. I'm not. I'm not disrespecting Ramsdale because I really like him, but I can't help but feel that when he claimed the ball here, he would have fallen to the deck, turned around, stuck his tongue out of the opposing fans, and <laughs> the way that Raya delivers it, Arsenal score. And I was like, that's so accurate. It's one of the most accurate things I've seen in ages. I was like, yep, fantastic. It's just yeah. that's the difference. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting, as you say, Dean. There's nothing, nothing quite cooking yet, and I don't quite see where the, where it comes about right now. But equally. There could be any number of changes the week. The key killer for Ramsdale is going to be that if that injury happens the week afterwards, you know, let's just say that you know someone goes down all of a sudden. I did, I did read it somewhere that the Barcelona were were having a little poke around because they were concerned that Stegen's injury might be further back in the season than than they actually were. But Pena's yeah. not being particularly no he hasn't but if Anyaki Peña got injured tomorrow for example you'd be like well yeah maybe if he gets injured the week after the window closes Ramsdale's be like oh, come on like, somebody please help if if Barca ran the window with Calvin Phillips and Aaron Ramsdale on loan that'd be great that'd be amazing <laughs> although the Phillips one just feels a bit like um do you remember that scene in the documentary for Spurs when Danny Rose was like did uh any interest any 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 follow-up from Inter Milan and he was like, no, but I can do you hull. <laughs> and that's like the Barcelona. No, but West Ham still do want you. <laughs> it's Fine. one of those ones. Fine. One of if those ones. Yeah. Gave you a little bit of a, a bit of a vibe on that one, unfortunately. Um, Arsenal's prerogative here is to make money. They can't do anybody any favours, player or rival yeah. club, with regard to loans. I think they are very aware of the fact that Man City have made a couple of mistakes recently in selling players to them to strengthen them and to help create a rival. And I don't think Arsenal were silly enough to repeat the same mistake to somebody else. So most other teams in the Premier League in that sort of top eight, I feel like Ransdale wouldn't be allowed to join them. But the great thing about something like Barcelona or Bayern Munich is it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Now, I, I know that, you know, not that obviously we're talking about Ramsdale to Bayern or whatever, but like if you were to if you were to loan a player to Bayern Munich, then you might end up coming up against them in the Champions League. Not that they'd be able to play, but you know, ultimately, what are the odds of that really biting you? It's it's so sore. So yeah, Ramsdale to Barcelona, I'm in. I'm bought in. Sold, sold, <laughs> absolutely. All right, should we flip the script, DJ? Let's talk about some some transfers that are perhaps more likely to happen. Yeah, there's a few players here that I, um, I talked about a lot and I think that there's definite reason to believe that they could all move. Um, the first one is Armando Broja. Um, I find this one quite funny, to be honest, lads. So last week, we're reading £60 million valuation on his head at Chelsea. Laughable. 
I literally laughed when I read that. Sixty million pounds. Like, are we talking about the same? Is there something else included in this deal? Like, what? I don't You're getting understand. Cuckoo for free? <laughs> Why? And now, funny enough, it's no longer that figure. And if Broja leaves, which he probably will, it's likely to be alone, but with an obligation to buy him mm. at thirty-five million pounds, which seems. Obviously seems much more reasonable, but you know what? It only seems reasonable to me because we're talking about 60 million a week ago. I still think it's too high. I don't think I, I wouldn't be that happy if Fulham bought Armando Broja for 35 million pounds. I just don't, I don't know what this guy's level is right now. I'm finding it really hard to gauge Broja because when you've, whenever he's been talked about in the past, it's been linked with potential and well he just needs this to happen for him he just needs to be playing in this way or there's always a but or an if with Broyer and I just don't know what the what the fit is here so who should sign him Wolves are the club like I guess in the lead right now to sign him but Fulham are linked and Palace are linked and I don't know you two will have a better idea about a fit for Broyer and what's best for him and the team that signs him yeah, I mean, his best ever football came at Southampton and uh, that was in a very reactive, high-pressing team, but a team that the forwards often got a lot of space to play in because they were always playing in transition or running from deep because it wasn't a lot of sustained possession in the final third for for Southampton under Ralph Hasenhutl. So Brozier didn't have to spend his time thinking about where he needed to be or how to release a quick pass, how to create a bit of space. He always had space. He was always running the channel. He was always running the outside of the centre-back. So, you know, Brozier, what I'm trying to describe there, I think, is, is the David Moyes forward. It's the, it's the guy we always look to for someone like David Moyes. And, and for, the, for the record, I think he'd suit Gary O'Neill pretty well. Wolves are quite a reactive team. I think that would do really well because he, he's, he's, he's fast and he's, he's strong and he can carry the ball and he can hit the ball with power and he can turn. Well, at least he could do all of this before his ACL. He's a little, he's a little bit still finding his feet. And that's the other element to add to the equation, which is why... I think in the back of your mind, Dean, you're like 35 million. No, he's played like what 400 minutes mm. since since he tore his ACL, and, and that's another like a risk. 20 million player right now. I think I 100 agree. I'd put I I top it off at 20 million and say I, I'd be willing to take the punt for that. But he's got too many question marks as um, from an injury perspective and a, and a sharpness perspective. I think there are too many question marks there. If you're a top team, about well how well he can play in a lack of space. So. That naturally sets your sights at Wolves, at West Ham, because of the style. Um, I mean, I've seen Southampton fans saying, yeah, we take him back on loan. That says it all, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean fair, I just... the form team in the world right now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not true. Sure about that. 90%, 90% pass completion rate, level with Bayern Munich. <laughs> I'm going to just temper this a little bit by the fact, because people are listening to this uh, earliest on, on Wednesday morning, uh, after which there's a fair chance Chelsea have just well, they've definitely played Middlesbrough. They've <laughs> probably beaten Middlesbrough if we just know how football goes. And there's a chance Bro just scored the winner in a semi-final. Yeah. So I'll just leave that there, that I am aware that Bro might have just had a big moment as, as you're listening to this. Um, but whether that's enough to salvage anything here long-term at Chelsea, I still highly doubt. Mm. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I, I think he will go. I'm not sure if it'll be this window, but I think I, either now or in the summer, 
we'll see Brozier moved on because I oh, feel yeah, like no, he I hasn't really, been given that space. I really think there's a, a high chance he goes in this window. I, I really do. And it would also then open up the opportunity for Chelsea to do something which... I don't want to see because I'm a Fulham fan. I don't want to see Chelsea like make a late splash for a striker because typically they'll go and get someone good. But um, that does actually lead me on to another player that I'm going to talk about here Um, because there's an Aston Villa striker being linked with Chelsea that this one doesn't make any sense to me. I'm hoping Sam can actually enlighten me a bit here. Uh, Jean Durant of Aston Villa is being linked with Chelsea and other clubs, to be fair. He's been linked with AC Milan. He's been linked with quite a West, few clubs. West Ham. West Ham. And... Always West Ham, mate. It's January and it's strikers. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Um, now, I don't think there's any doubt, really, that um, the player is uh, has his future up in the air. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that there has been movement in the market to sound out potential opportunities for him and where he could go. And I think that that's from the player's perspective, but also Aston Villa's perspective. I have got the reading of them being open to losing Duran. What I can't understand is why Chelsea would want a forward that is more erratic than Nicholas Jackson and more raw than Nicholas Jackson. This can't be real. I cannot believe that that Chelsea's way on from Armando Brozier would be to get a worse version of Nicholas Jackson involved in the setup. I, I can't. I can't. I can't tell you that you're wrong. Um, <laughs> he's. I think Duran is at least a striker. There's something in that probably. Whereas Duran Jackson, is I still don't think is a nine. Duran is definitely a striker. Um, but he's he's just a bundle of chaos, isn't he? Um, he's just. He steps off the bench. He gets fifteen minutes when when Villa need need something, um, and he he might score. Uh, he might elbow someone. Uh, he'll definitely run into someone. He will get booked, and that's the Nicholas Jackson trait right there. He's yeah. they're both phenomenal at picking up bookings for no reason. <laughs> and so you know, in some ways, I can see where the scouting process has led them. Um, sort by bookings. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. His 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 Villa career hasn't really gone to plan so far. It was a bit of a weird, not a weird pickup because you can always buy potential, but a, straight, a slightly strange timing on, on the pickup, which was basically one year ago from Chicago Fire. Not a small amount of money put down. I think it was $18 million. It was, it was one, of the, one of MLS's biggest exports. He's played a bit part role. He was supposed to start the European games. He's apparently, I've been told by a couple of people, a little bit upset about being subbed off in those European games. I think he, I think he wanted, that was his, in his view, it was those are my nineties, right? I want those six games. That's where I'm going to play. Unfortunately, when Villa lost the first European game, it put them behind the eight ball and they weren't able to sort of rotate the squad as cleanly as they wanted to. Hmm. Especially when you take 93 minutes to, to find a breakthrough against Zerinsky as well. You are going to have to send Ollie Watkins on it. Things have gone against him a little bit. It's also been a suggestion that he has been a tiny bit difficult to work with at points. So I don't know if Villa have just gone, look, we think you could be great, but we're not we're not willing to put the work in if you're not. Um mm. and that's where and that's where this has led. The Milan interest was was genuine for sure, but I don't I think they decided, at least initially, they couldn't afford to buy him or to loan him. Mm. West Ham looks genuine as well. And he is like he is a David Moy striker. You know, he's physical. He can run the channels. 
but he's he's not polished whatsoever. And like, if you're a team that wants to uh, wants a player that can come in and, and really make an impact from from a starting position from the first minute, I, I wouldn't look at him. I, I genuinely, he wouldn't be the guy I go to. He reminds me a bit of Divock Origi. It's just like absolute chaos whenever he comes onto the pitch. Sometimes Havoc. does really good stuff. Sometimes does really weird stuff, and has only ever seemed to thrive. Look, you look at Origi's post Liverpool career; it's not been great. You know, in in you know, there was a very cer- certain set of circumstances there where he was able to be that kind of cult guy who came on and made things happen. Duran reminds me of him in in many ways. I I don't yeah. know what it is, but I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that I would be making big money moves for John Duran at any point right now. And I agree with you. I think there is potential there and I think there's a lot of raw talent, but it just feels like a lot of it is needs to be channeled. It's, it's the last thing that Chelsea need, I think, yeah, yeah. at this point. The last thing they need is more chaos on that pitch. Yeah, but- he's, he's 20. He's talented. He has, he has potential. But January, January windows, they're about plugging holes. They're about immediate impacts. You know, and Chelsea clearly need an immediate impact for yeah. from a number nine. They they are they're feeling like they need more goals. They are looking to the market to try and find a quick and 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 short term solution. It's not to buy a player who is still all potential. Yeah, and for 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 Villa too. Yeah, in terms of leveling up their team, I can believe that they would move Duran on so that they could open up the spot for somebody else to come in and back up yeah. Ollie Watkins with a bit more. Pedigree? I don't know yeah, if pedigree is the right word, actually. But it means they have to go back into the market with seven or eight days left for a striker and join mm. this rat race that we've been talking about all, you know, for the last 45 minutes, which is not a pleasant race to be in, is it? No. One of the worst places you can be mentally is trying to find a striker in January. But <laughs> like, ooh. it's not pleasant. The only good thing going for them is they would be one of the destinations as a player you'd actually quite fancy going um that you know a lot of the clubs out there that are searching for strikers i don't know how many you'd be that keen to to get to but you would be looking at what emery's done so far the improvements that he's made of other players and thinking yeah i don't mind being ollie watkins back up for a bit um and it depends what their ambitions are there as well like how far villa think they can push that this season yeah, I, I do wonder, it's not a name that I think you've got on your list, but I do wonder if part of the Morgan Rogers pursuit is that he could fill in as the nine on an emergency basis. He doesn't even get the, in the Borough team, does he? He's got the physique for it. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I saw a, I saw a two minute highlight clip of him the other day, a game reel against yeah. uh, someone. He looked I spoke pretty, to a Borough fan who was <laughs> just like, good. look, he's not even like a main part of our team and like... He's good and he could be better for sure. Like if he lives up to his potential, but was it 10 million pounds um, that's being touted? Like, like that, yeah. Doesn't seem that It's not that much money to be fair. Deep. No. Um, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's what they're looking to do and Duran could open the door for that one to happen. Um, the last one on my list is a player that Really excites me, lads. This is the sort of player that I do want to land in the Prem. And I gave him a bit of love on when I did the Patreon transfer show um, at the end of last week. Uh, Antonio Nusa is being linked with a switch from Club Bruges to Tottenham. And there's definitely something to this. Um, I spoke on the, on the Patreon show. I was a bit annoyed at this one because I, I thought I had it. Uh, 
as one that nobody else was really reporting the next day. And then I took the kids to school, got back, and it was breaking news on Sky Sports. And Fabrizio tweeted about it and all sorts. So that was a frustration. But nevertheless, um, talks are still happening with Nusa. He's an 18-year-old, exciting, wide player. Incredible on the ball. Like, ridiculous what he's capable of. Um, And the more I've looked into it, the more I can see how he would fit with what Tottenham are trying to do now in terms of building, recruiting for the future. His stats for like ball carries and like decision-making in the final third and creating opportunities um, is high and his work rate and intensity is good too. It's all there. Plus the fact he's 18 means he can be moulded still. And Angie's going to be looking for some characters like that. We already know that they've got good, young, like amazing young talent actually at Tottenham coming through. Like they've just loaned out a few to go and get experience, but there's special things happening at Tottenham at the moment. And yeah, new sir, they're like they're, they're trying to tie this one up. It was originally supposed to be a deal that they would really go for in the summer. There's a couple like this at the moment, to be honest. There's there's Wharton at Blackburn as well, who uh, Adam Wharton, who they're looking into, um, and there's a couple of other deals, but. Noosa is furthest down the line of actually being brought forward to this window. He won't actually join until the summer, to be fair. And instead of just putting on a Spurs shirt, I don't think. But yeah, I just feel like this is giving us a real sign of what's to come. Uh, yeah, they've got, um, they already bagsied Luka Vuskovic as well, didn't they? Uh, the 16 year old. Yeah, they bagsied him. It's a great uh, word. I love that from, word. From, from Hadjik Split. So he can't join for a couple of years either. But he, they, they, they seem to be stepping it up a bit, don't they, in terms of their aggressive recruitment around this age group, 16, 17, 18. They're, they're scouring across Europe and going, right, we've got a proper coach here who can develop some players. Let's go and find him the very best young 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Bring them in and let Ange sculpt them. And you know what? It doesn't get you too far in the short term in terms of like a big jump. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give you that ability to maybe skip up three, four places in the league. But in three years' time, when they're all in the team, and you're like, oh my god, where do these players come from? It's all the groundwork paying off, isn't it? Coached, scouted, coached, and it's it's the way forward. Yeah, I mean, he's an incredibly talented footballer. Um, I don't think that that jump straight away necessarily is is the right thing. He's still quite erratic, um, but equally, there are those spells where you're like, wow, this this kid's unplayable. And it does feel like the early stages of something incredibly special at this point. There's there's lots of things to like about about Nusa cutting in off that left wing on onto that right foot and making things making things happen. I wonder what it means for someone like Brian Hill, who might have to might have to disappear. I think if if this one goes through in the summer, it might be time for for him to move on. But <laughs> I, I like this a lot, and I would love to see Nusa under Ange Postacoglu. I thought Brian might get a, a another lease of life under Ange, mm. but it just doesn't seem to have worked out. He just doesn't really feel that cut out for the Premier League, does he? No, it just hasn't really been t- taken off for him. And it was it was highly tipped, uh, to, especially in this spell when they've had injuries, to be one of the players that kind of uh, took the ball by the horns and, and actually showed everybody was capable and he does have he does have moments in games and spells in games when you're like it's a really good player but it does feel like this is passed him by now like now with everybody coming back to fitness Madison's coming back they're looking to make new signings 
this Postacoglu side is going to completely evolve over the next year, 18 months. And let's be honest, Brian Hill's not going to be part of that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Noose would be a good one. I would like that a lot. So, uh, so let's uh, let's hope that one goes through from a Spurs perspective. And also, it feels like a good career move for Noosa. Like, one of the very, you know, there's a lot of elite clubs tracking his progress, isn't there? It's been sort of apple of the eye of many of the European elites for, for some time. And there's often quite a lot of risk attached to those moves. But a move to Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham doesn't feel quite as risky as perhaps some other options in this situation. Yeah. Right, okay, well, we'll leave it there for part two. We'll be back after the break where it's time for some parenting advice from the guru. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part three of this Ranks FC episode, and it's time for some wisdom. Over to the boys. Guru wisdom, guru wisdom, guru wisdom. Hang on a second. Hank, before Dean comes in here with the wisdom, and trust me, I am dying to hear what you have to say. I've got a little ranking for you. Oh, he couldn't resist. The rank goes back, ladies and gentlemen. I I rank things in my sleep, lads. You know, I just can't (laughs) help it. Um, I've got a little ranking. It's three things I wish people had told me about babies before I had a baby. (laughs) Yeah, seems sorry, sorry in advance, but okay. I feel like I got a lot of information, but I don't think I was told these three things because they've shocked me and surprised me. And we start at number three is that babies cry every time you change their nappy. They don't like any change whatsoever, temperature, comfort, whatever it is. And obviously when you're stripping down and you take the nappy off, suddenly they get a lot colder. They can't regulate the temperature very well and they cry because they cry at literally anything. They they, they, They cry at any change. So I think when I was mentally preparing myself for nappy changes, because obviously it's an experience, uh, particularly some of the bad ones. Mm. You're sort of trying to steel yourself for it. You're trying to get to terms with it. And no one told me that while you have to deal with this, he's wailing his head off the whole time. And that was just an added element that I thought, yeah, didn't know about that. Yeah, that's not fun. No. It's not fun. No. It gets, does your head in. I'm just touching all these away in the pocket. And you feel bad because he's obviously in distress. And, you know, so I can't, uh, you know, I'll be as quick as I can. But also, I'll be as, you know, I have to do a proper job here. (laughs) I'm trying to help you out here, Chief. Yeah, every time. I mean, presumably it'll stop at some point, Dean. No. No? No. No. Okay. (laughs) I'm still doing it. (laughs) Jack does it three times a week. (laughs) Okay, number two. Babies fart. Yeah. What the hell? Okay, they poo. Fine. They wee. Fine. They cry. Fine. They fart. <laughs> and it stinks. Yeah, their bodies are weird, man. <laughs> didn't know about this. This is because like their bowels don't work properly yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a good sign, you know. They're starting to, starting to get the gut going. It's cool, but I didn't know about this. He sat on me and he just farted. It stank. We were like, oh my God. So obviously you assume it's a poo and it turns out, nope, they just, sometimes they just fart like three, four or five times or whatever in the space of 30 minutes before they do a poo. And it, oh God, I just couldn't, we just couldn't believe it. And you know what? We thought he was great in that, but he, he was 10% less cute when he started farting. <laughs> <laughs> this is great i didn't know also, this either yeah they just yeah you, well you you know you know the good bits you don't know maybe know the bad bits anyway the number one thing i wish someone had told me mm. this is specific to boys 
is that when you change the nappy, you have to point the willy down. Oh, mate, yes. So for, for basically a 48-hour period, we didn't know why, but he was unfortunately wetting through his vest and his sleep suit. And he would, we would pick him up. He'd have a little wet patch on his back and it would go through to the, the Moses basket as well. And he was weeing through his nappies. We thought either this kid's got like, you know, Niagara Falls levels of wee or the nappy's wrong or what. And it's just because we weren't just pointing it yeah, downwards. You know what? You had to learn that one yourself. No one, no one, you have to, you have to go through that moment as a, as a boy dad, that really is a rite of passage. We, we went through that too. I remember my sister going through that. Um, and everyone's like, well, I, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. You have to learn that. Wow. I've, I've got a heads up. Maybe I won't have, you you've ruined it now. I won't you're have, have girls. I know yeah, you're exactly. going to ruin this. Everyone knows now, but I think everyone needs to know. The thing is, it's like the, 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 the solution is so ridiculously and painfully obvious that once you figure it out, you're like, oh my God, obviously. If the willy's pointing up, the piss goes up. If the willy's pointing down, it goes down. How, how obvious is that? And yet, because you're brain addled and you're tired and you can't figure out what's up and what's down, it doesn't occur to you until it does. And you go, oh, you idiot. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I should have warned you about some of that, but I have got some more advice, so I'm ready Fantastic. to give you some. Let's I'm go ready again. to give more guru wisdom. Double wisdom, let's go. Right, this is a good one, mate. Keep your phone and AirPods with you at all times. You will be lumbered over the course of the next 18 months, maybe even two years, to be fair. You'll be lumbered with naps in all sorts of places, and you never know how long that nap is going to last. You might. Th- There's been times where I've thought I'm, I'm sitting on a bed and holding a baby, thinking, right, generally tends to nap for about 15, 20 minutes at this time of day. Two hours later, you're still sat there. <laughs> so you're just looking at the wall. And if you haven't got something on you, that is a long, <laughs> long time. And you can't call out for anyone to come and help you. And So unless anyone pokes their head around the corner for you, then you're stuck. Now, obviously, you would tend to have your phone on you. Mm. That's just normal these days. But your AirPods is a bit different. And your AirPods can get you through a lot of situations and like, especially like getting a baby to sleep at night. Like there was times, I remember Dylan went through a spell where you'd put him in his cot and you had to be touching him. Like he didn't have to hold him or anything and he would lay there, but you had to be touching him while he fell asleep. And I'd be like arced over this thing and I'd get so annoyed that I was, it was hurting. I was aching. I get pins and needles, all these things. And then I started like taking my AirPods along and I was like, oh, I can just like listen to commentary of a football match or I can listen to a podcast. Well, I could have become an expert on literally anything I would have, I could have set my mind to, to be honest, over the course of having two children, if I'd have actually put that time to good use. So you could do that too. But your AirPods will be your best friend. So keep them in your pocket for all those moments where you end up holding the baby and not knowing how long it is till you can move. Okay, nice. I like it. That's good That's advice. It. It's Very great good. until the AirPods are out of battery. When the AirPods are out of battery, yeah, you're in big trouble. Um, <laughs> keep it charged. <laughs> keep a charger in your other pocket. Right. Um, <laughs> the next two aren't quite as, uh, as um, precise, but wipes and spare outfits, mate. Always. Always wherever you go. Mm-hmm. You can never have too many wipes. 
too many spare clothes, they will ruin everything. <laughs> they will ruin everything. Everything you could imagine will end up all over their clothes and you want stuff to turn to. There's so, so many of my friends would like leave the house with just like one change of clothes when they're going out. It's like, no, you need three. <laughs> <laughs> you need three spare outfits and maybe even a couple of extra tops or something just in case they could be used as backup wipes throughout the day. So that's your next one, mate. Um, yeah. And also when you brownie points too, if if Rach has forgotten to do something and you're like, oh, don't worry, I've, I've put a spare, an, an extra spare outfit in there. What? You're an absolute rank god. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> um, and the last one uh, for today, you've got to bring everything forward. So you've got to start eating your dinner at like five o'clock. Like eight o'clock, nine o'clock dinners really do become a thing of the past. Uh, I'm still not really back there, to be honest, unless like I haven't got the kids. I'm eating dinner every day. And I used to never understand people that had dinner at five o'clock and they mm. didn't eat again. But then, and with kids, we battled it for a long time. Be like, oh, trying to put them down. You're like, I haven't eaten. You think, why haven't you eaten? Why didn't you eat <laughs> when you were doing their food? And as a result of that, you also just need to get out of bed early and not fight that either. The biggest problem there, which I think we talked about recently, I uh, don't know if it was a, a patron that wrote in talking about this. Uh, I think it was, it might have been one of our shows. But watching football does become more difficult. So I remember like, obviously you need to give time for the mum to sleep and those periods of time you might end up holding them, you know, babies, you can't always just put them down in a cot and they're asleep. You do end up holding them for a sleep and sometimes it's just so that your wife can sleep and yeah. that's, and that's fine. But Another reason to have gone to bed early in the first place or just as early as you can, but also squeeze in those moments to cram in highlights of games or another good trick. I'll give you a good trick, actually. When If you've got like a lot of work on, this is my last guru wisdom for the day, and you've got to like, you know, go analyze a game or you've got to talk about a game. What I've done before, I have not even watched the game I've watched the analysis of the game and <laughs> because it's, it's a shortcut. Like if you literally have no time to sit down and watch the game, then you're better off than watching the short. You know, obviously you can watch the goals, but like those like three, five minute highlights, you're not going to learn that much in that three, five minutes. What you would learn much more from is watching the halftime show of the game that you were supposed to watch and seeing what they were talking about and analyzing and then fast forward it to the 10 minutes they spent analyzing afterwards to actually pick up some actual talking points from the game. Well, that assumes two things. One, the analysis is trustworthy and two, <laughs> it wasn't all about VAR anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that is where it comes. It's ruined. Everything's difficult. ruined these days. Oh, fantastic. Well, well done, Thank you, DJ. Dean. Some, uh, some tips for Sam and for, uh, for anyone else out there who's uh, coming to terms with a, a new child, etc., 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 or is expecting one in the future. And with that, I think it's probably time that we call this a day. So all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to the rank god, the rank dad, Mr. Sam Tyres. A pleasure to have you back, mate. Cheers, guys. Love it. Thank you very much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Neighbor Farts. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for tuning in as ever. And we'll be back very shortly, squad. We'll see you soon. 
Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.